encouragement. Love it. Just love our worship team and what they do and just bring us into God's presence. I just want to say thank you to all those who volunteer in our church too. We appreciate you guys. Whether it's on the door, the sound, or through the week and the things that you do for others and help and shift people and just, just a multitude of things. All our children's church teachers, hey? Parents, don't you appreciate those guys? All those who teach in the, um, Christian, in the children's church, we appreciate them. I hope you do. Yeah, so yeah. Appreciate them. Just so thankful for people who just continually help out. We appreciate you guys. Uh, look, uh, just uh, one quick announcement. Um, parents, if you can continue to help us. I know that some of you are aware, some mightn't be aware, but just if you could help us by not allowing your children on the stage. Is that okay after the service particularly? Um, because uh, we're just aware that there's things that they could do or hurt themselves on there. And, um, and also, it, there's stuff that they might kind of accidentally um, not, you know, damage. And, um, and just recently, our team had a bit of a problem because someone flicked off a switch and it took hours to, just to get it all back happening, okay? Is that cool, parents? Can you help us with that? Um, so uh, just help us with the kids not on the stage. That'd be much appreciated. That'd help everybody. Um, we'll have a um, barbed wire fence next weekend. <laughs> Electric. <laughs> no. I started a little two-part series last week. Um, you may remember if you were here, it was just talking about peace, uh, an incredible peace. God is the God of peace, isn't he? And I, and, um, I didn't know last week it would be a two-part, but this week it's turned into a two-part How's that? I'll be honest. <laughs> um, and I want to just continue that theme, but just talk in another angle, another direction in regards to it. Because we live in a society that is uh, more than often, unfortunately, losing hope. And uh, anxiety and stress and concern and worry seem to be uh, the way that people um, do life sometimes. Um, you know, just continually facing struggles or anxieties in life. I want to tell you that we don't need to live like that. And of course, that kind of anxiety and worry causes all types of problems physically in our bodies. Um, uh, you know, emotionally, it causes struggles in relationships. There's just a whole gamut of things that can happen. I'm just glad we have a God who says, I'm the God of peace. Um, and he wants to provide peace for us. Um, I want to just turn our attention this morning just to a passage of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, the very last chapter of the first letter Peter wrote. He wrote, and um, starting at verse 5, uh, Peter wrote this letter, 1 and 2 Peter, um, he, and he wrote it to, the, to a group of Christians in, in, in various areas of what we now call modern-day Turkey, um, and he wrote these, uh, these letters to them because they were going through some fairly major struggles and trials in life, and those struggles and trials were causing incredible anxiety and, and stress to these, uh, these new Christians, because it was just a new church, uh, new, new churches. There were several churches in this area. So let's read verses 5 to 9. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. I like that bit. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're talking about, but it's there. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Do you like that bit? Mm. And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
And then verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And then verse 7, casting all your, what does it say? Care. Not cares. It says casting all your care. Just singular, not plural, upon him. For he what? Cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let's be honest. I don't give a lot of attention to the devil because I don't think he needs it. But I tell you what, he is there and he does seek to devour and destroy our lives. Come on, let's not be fooled. Someone once wrote a song, a guy called Keith Green, many, many, many decades ago. And the song went like this. It was written from the devil's perspective and the words were, no one believes in me anymore. I tell you, we have an adversary. We have an adversary. And, and the enemy, you know, he's happy if we don't believe in him because then he can just work unabated. He can just do what he wants to do. We've got to be aware. It says be vigilant, be sober, um, be aware of what he wants to do. And then it says resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Um, in a city in Florida in 2002, and if you take note of that year, you'll realize it was after that horrific um, attack on the World Trade Center in New York earlier, you know, sometime before that. But in 2002 in Florida, there was a, a, pilot, called, um, a pilot called Jerry Stevens. And on New Year's Day, he, he, he had a plane and he, he, was going, he wanted to sky write. He wanted to write something in the... He was a Christian, wanted to write something in the sky that would just, um, you know, kind of uh, give hope and, and, and joy and peace to the people on this New Year's Day, on the very first day of the year. So he's got his plane and he flew up into the sky over, over this city in Florida and he wrote, God is great. God is great. Because he was, he was wanting to, uh, you know, especially after the tragedy of New York, and thousands of people being killed. He wanted to declare the goodness of God. So he just picked the words, God is great. Unfortunately, a lot of people in that city thought that what was happening was that it was someone, it was a, it was a possible terrorist attack, because as you may know, some belief systems and religions all say so, also say that God is great. Um, and sometimes we've seen just before they, they cause a, a terror, you know, some bomb blows up or something like that. So unfortunately, people got very nervous and got very scared, and some people got very anxious. And we see that they, 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 um, they wrote into the paper, and they wrote these type of things. They said, I was just wondering if a terrorist group was paying someone to write that. Someone else um, said um, that as they saw it, they panicked and were anxious and concerned, and they didn't know whether what was imminent was about to happen, something was about to explode, or something was going to go wrong, and they thought, maybe someone has done this in the sky. Isn't it interesting, in actual fact, Jerry was trying to proclaim how good God is. But because of the nervousness of the times and the days that we live in, we see that something, it was misinterpreted, misunderstood, and the actual opposite, because of the anxiousness of people's hearts, um, they took it the wrong way. And there is an opportunity for anxiety to happen in all of our days, in our world, all the time, isn't there? There's an opportunity for that today, for, anxious, for anxiety to come up and just want to bite us in the heart and try and get us concerned and worried and consumed by things in life. Peter writes this letter uh, to these Christ, Christians, and he says in verse 7, he says, Casting all your cares upon him. For what? He cares for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 
The interesting thing is, the original interpretation of that from the Greek could have been this way, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Because the actual word care literally means anxiety as well. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Great, isn't it great? And then verse 7, it says, casting, sorry, verse 8 says, after that, casting all your cares, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I would like to suggest to you that Peter, in his uh, wrapping up in this last chapter of the first letter to these Christians, was literally declaring, was uh, proclaiming and, 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 and focusing in on the reality that the manifestations of anxiety and worry is often a work of the enemy. And I would say that while I know sometimes we worry, and it's not the enemy's fault at all, it's just our stupidity, would you agree? But the reality is, is that we see often the enemy works behind the scenes to try and create an anxious heart or a worry or concern about life. And so as we look at this verse, it says, be sober. In other words, be right-minded. Be vigilant, be thinking straight, because your adversary, the devil, is, roaring, is like a lion roaring, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if that's the case, and he's behind it, I know someone who can be behind him that's greater. Sometimes it doesn't take much imagination for us to be run off with thoughts and, and, and thoughts that are happening and things that are happening. You know, often I have, not, well, not all the time, but sometimes people say to me, Pastor James, I'm just praying for you. And uh, first of all, I say, oh, what for? <laughs> no, but generally I say this, I'm thankful that you're praying for me. Because like, um, uh, but the truth is, hop in line, because we all need someone to pray for us. <laughs> um, because the reality is that the devil will take whoever he can get. And he'll try and wipe us out, and, he, and he'll start here in our thoughts. And I just wonder this morning if, if, he has been, um, if it's been you that he's after. If it's you that he's after. Uh, with those thoughts that continually repeat themselves over and over and over again sometimes in our minds. Thoughts of just concern and worry. Thoughts that want to drag us down. And, and thoughts that just want to come against us. I wonder if it's you this morning. Did you say, yeah. if I was to ask you, put your hand up, you'd be have it up. And yep, I can relate to that. There's some things that just continually want to drag me into a, uh, you know, a pit spiraling downhill and not coming up. See, God wants to lift us up. It says, humble ourselves before the mighty God. He'll lift us up. The devil doesn't want to lift us up. He wants to take us down. Uh, but so we've got to understand, and it starts with our thought process and our minds. And sometimes, um, here's something that's very, uh, very um, interesting about this whole passage of scripture in uh, one Peter in this verse eight. Um, this is the first thing. Do you know when the enemy attacks with thoughts and suggestions and in, in, in first things, it's never an ambush. It's never an. Ambush. Sometimes we think, oh, um, you get surprised by what's happening to you. Don't do not be surprised. It's never an ambush. The enemy um, will broadcast. What he wants to do. If you are listening, you can hear it. Because in this passage, you see, see the devil, will, uh, he, he, what, he makes a noise by seeking to suggest, infer, and plant worrying thoughts in our minds. Peter says it can be as intimidating as a roaring lion. I don't know if you've ever been up and close and personal with the lion. Maybe most of us, is, it's in a zoo. 
uh, but I've had the opportunity in Africa once to go on a, out on the, out on the um, uh, these, in this um, national park and saw a lion in the wild. It was incredible. Thankfully, um, it wasn't interested in me. It just wanted to wander past us, and that was good. But uh, it, you can imagine a roaring lion can be very intimidating. But understand this. If you listen, you will always hear the intimidation of the lion's roar. It'd be like things like this. This will be the end of you. Now, it mightn't be exactly those words. This will be the end of you. Or maybe it's like you'll never recover from this. Or you'll always have this problem. You'll always be seen this way. All those suggestions. That's what the roar of the lion sounds like. You'll never be free from this issue. That's what the roar of the devil sounds like. It's intimidating. And you've got to understand Understand this, that if a lion is roaring, the lion is not going to attack. If the lion is roaring, he's not attacking. In the wild, lions don't, um, don't um, roar when they're about to take a prey. Lions don't roar when they're about to take some prey out. You think about it. Why would a lion sit there in the grass and roar and all the antelope just kind of gladly just gallop on they don't because a lion doesn't do that you see we see it says in scripture in verse 8 the lion walks around seeking who may devour roaring if a lion wants to take some prey he doesn't walk he stalks silently silently so so a roaring lion is not attacking lion at all but you may say the verse says uh, the lion, uh, he roars, seeking whom he may devour. Well, it's all bluff. He's seeking, not devouring, folks. He's looking for an entrance into your mind. And if he can get an entrance into your mind with a, a, a worrying suggestion or an anxious thought, then he can start to take you out. But it's all bluff. It's just roaring often, the things that are said and the things that are suggested. And you've got to identify that. You've got to see that. You've got to see what's happening. Um, I was, in, um, I was in New Zealand in February and um, with my family, all three girls and their husbands and little Jeremiah and Michelle, and we had a ball for two weeks. And towards the end of that two weeks, we're up on the east coast of the North Island in a, in a, a, a city. And I've got to get the name right, Haihi. Anybody in New Zealand know where Haihi is from New Zealand? No? Just, is, a, is there any New Zealanders here? Yeah, yeah. Do you know where Haihi is? No, you don't? You should go there. That's a great place. You know where it is? Good, good. Um, no. No, no. Um, H. Stu, where is he? Where is he? H. Ha Hey. Oh, is it Ha Hey? Oh, sorry. Ha Hey. Do you know where Ha Hey is? Oh, okay. Right. Well, I was in Ha. I was in Ho Hey. No, 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 no. Really. Ha hey. Far out. I asked you how to pronounce it and I got it wrong. East Coast. Anyway, along the east coast of, of Northern Ireland of New Zealand, um, there's these signs that you come across, and they're about a meter um, tall and half a meter wide, and it says uh, what to do in a tsunami. And I'm like, I'm reading these signs. I saw them three times, so they're there. And I'm reading these signs and going, You're joking. I've never heard of um, New Zealand having tsunamis. 
I didn't think there were tsunamis in New Zealand. And like, I'm like, I'm starting to think about it and think, this could be, you know, I, I don't, isn't it silly where your mind goes? And just start to think about it. I'm, here I am traveling up the east coast of this incredible country in New Zealand. And, you know, a tsunami could come and I'm going to lose my whole family in one hit. It's stupid thoughts. Stupid thoughts. And so we're in this little town of Ha Hey. Got it? Ha Hey. And because um, there's some spectacular beaches and oh, just amazing place. Anyway, 8 o'clock one morning, because on this sign it says, you know, you'll hear a siren if there's a, a tsunami. You'll hear this siren. So 8 o'clock at this little place in New Zealand, this siren goes off and it's really loud right across the whole town. And it's like, I am, what is happening? Everybody's looking at each other. We're staying in an Airbnb and everybody's kind of like, we're going to die? You know, it's silly where your mind goes to. I run out of the door into the street. It's like, I'm looking for the locals who are going to, you know, are they packing their goods up and getting out of town? Because on the signs, it would, it would tell you how far you've got to go inland to get away from the tsunami. It's got details. I'm thinking, New Zealanders, why are you writing so much detail? And then I thought, I know why, because we've got a tsunami coming. <laughs> and I'm panicking. And, I, you know, I didn't show it. I'm kind of like really kind of act cool. But <laughs> inside, inside, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe these guys, the locals aren't going. I saw one car pull out and go away, and I said, there you go. Maybe he's the only local, and all the rest of us are in Airbnbs, and we're tourists, because the guys next door were outside, and they, they were tourists, and they didn't know what was happening either. And, and I'm like, in the end, I thought, well, God, it was like the three Hebrew men in the fiery furnace, we'll just die. <laughs> we're just going to die together. At least we'll go together. And this siren went on for five minutes, folks. Is that true? Five, it would have been five minutes. Now, I didn't say all this to you guys, but I'm just like outside thinking all this stuff. I've, you know, and eventually, I found a lady in the street who was a local. This is like half an hour later because in half an hour, I have got us buried. I've got us dead. I've got us... I've got everything happening in my mind. And I found her half an hour later and I said, what's the siren for? He says, oh, don't worry about that. I said, why? <laughs> you could have told me that half an hour. She says, it's just the siren because there was an accident out on the highway and it's just telling the ambulance and the fire brigade, you've got to go out to the accident. I'm thinking, New Zealanders, you know how to panic your tourists. <laughs> but here's the point, folks. It was just the roar. It was just the roar. And so many times in life, you go through life and you hear the roar and you take it further than it needs to go. The problem becomes bigger than Ben Hur, becomes bigger than, you, than it ever was meant to be. You know, I was interested to read a fog, a dense fog that covers seven blocks of a city, say it's 60 meters deep, contains less than one glass of water divided into 60,000 million drops. And yet it can bring that city to a standstill. I want to say um, there's no substance to it, is there? Less than one glass of water is contained in that fog, which covers six blocks, 60 meters deep, and yet it brings the whole place to a standstill because they can't see where they're driving. But it contains no substance. No substance. I want to tell you, the enemy sometimes roars at us, and you've got to understand it contains no substance. Often. 
because he wants to make suggestions. Now, it's easy to say right now, but when it happens, you've got to realize, you've got to do what verse 9 says, be alert, be attentive, be realized, listen for the roar, because a roaring lion isn't about to devour you, folks. Come on, he's just roaring. He's just playing, he's just bluffing you. It's just a bluff to try and pull you into his little circle of anxiousness and worry and concern. We've got it. See, the devil loves to roar, but often we allow it to become like a fog in the minds of our lives, and anxiety starts to want to take over when there's no substance to it. Can I just talk to you this morning about ways we need to fight anxiety? We just need to realize and recognize some things in life that happen for all of us as human beings. We need to fight it and stand against it. Not, not, not fight it, like get all, uh, you know, all upset about it, but just realize what it's about, where it comes from. And so I've just got some things here to how to fight anxiety. And the first thing is you just need to watch the words you speak. Watch the words you speak. There's power in life in the tongue. Did you know that? And then it says in Proverbs, it says this, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Do you know the fruit of encouraging words, the fruit of words of life and love and grace, and the, the, the fruit of those words produce good fruit when we speak life. But, you know, the fruit of those words of doubt and worry and anxiety and stress ultimately bring death. See, we'll eat the fruit of whatever we speak. That's how powerful our words are. See, God created you with the word. He said in the beginning, he just created you. He spoke the word and, 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 it was, and, and you were created in the image of God. If God's words are so powerful, don't you still, would you not consider that our words can be powerful too? Our words can be powerful too. And sometimes we've got to be careful because we can speak unnecessary words, words that are fear and doubt, and we've just got to be mindful of the words we speak. You've got to sometimes, sometimes you think of something you wanted to say, but the reality is you've got to stop yourself from letting it come out there, the mouth gate, don't you? You've got to stop, you've got to pull yourself up because once it's gone, it's like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube. It's just not going to happen. You can't stuff them back in your mouth because it's out there. And so it's better to stop it before you speak it. You've got to watch the words you speak because they can create such anxiety, not just for you, but for others as well. Um, don't let emotion overtake your mouth. Don't let emotion overtake your mouth. A person once said to me, that will worry me to death. I thought, Really? Really? I remember someone else said, I, 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 I'm, I'm so stressed. I'm like a chicken with my head cut off, with its head cut off. Have you ever seen a chicken with its head cut off? It's not pleasant. <laughs> but some people say these things and they don't realize they're speaking over their own lives. Watch what you speak. Watch what you speak. See, someone, someone else once said to me, if you were to add, James, that this statement... After you said things, would you really say the things in the first place? And, and, and the statement is this, and that's just the way I want it. Just imagine saying, that will worry me to death, and that's just the way I want it. Would you say the statement in the first place? No. I'm so stressed, I'm just like a chicken with my head cut off, and that's just the way I want it. You wouldn't say it. No one ever says that statement after those statements, but that's a real, it's good something to think about. Um, Everything's going wrong, and that's just the way I want it. 
This always happens to me, and that's just the way I want it. You're not going to say it, are you? Come on, the words we speak. Negative words we speak often give a small thing a big shadow. The words we speak often give a small thing a big shadow. Got to stop. Here's another thing about if we're going to fight anxiety, if we're going to stand against anxiety, and be aware of your approach. Let me just, just help you understand. Something, sometimes it's not what we're going through that is as important as the way we're going through it. Think about that. It's not what we're going through, because we all go through things, but it's amazing how one person can go through one thing and another person exactly the same thing. This person is just like, just not a problem, and this person just goes under. Same thing. They're going through the same. Why is it? Because it's the way we go through it. That's the problem. And, and, and you know, if there was, you know, what a, you know that, that time you knew that, that the day after the day after today or the tomorrow, you know that you're going to be busy and you've got lots of things happening in life. And, and, and they're all really important things. And you think, well, you know, and you plan about it and you think, I've got to get to bed early. But that night you don't get to bed early because you just had to watch, you know, um, you had to binge watch Game of Thrones or something. <coughs> I've never seen that program. <laughs> I don't know what it's about. But anyway, I heard someone say that. Um, I'm never, that's the truth. But uh, you, and, and you go to bed at midnight until so you get up and, and you're really tired and, 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 you know, and you think, oh, I've got all these things to do and you try to put things together and get prepared but you go through the day tired and, you, and you, it's like you're behind the eight ball all day and, and, and you know, you thought you were going and you, and you feel stressed and you feel anxious about it. You know what? It's just your approach of the way you're doing life. If, if, you, if you want a different outcome, Change. See, anxiety comes because we just try and, you know, we don't, we just do all these things. We don't give margin to our life. What about maybe, you remember those days or maybe you're still there at school and, you, and someone gives you an assignment three weeks out, but it's the night before now and you, oh, you just was putting it off and putting it off and you, you're really feeling a bit anxious now. It's the night before and you're, doing, you're throwing all nighter trying to get it finished and then you don't get good marks for it and you're anxious about that. It's just your approach to the way you do life. Come on. You've got to build margin into your life. So you've got, you know, gaps where you're not so stressed from one thing to the next. Remember last week I said it's the pace of life that causes anxiety. Now, there's nothing wrong with keeping busy, but you've got to give yourself margin. See, the devil will roar at you when you make silly decisions about how you approach your life. He'll roar and say, he'll use the opportunity. And before you know it, you're heading down that path of incredible uh, stress and anxiety. Don't give the, the opportunity to the devil it says in Ephesians 4.27, don't give him, don't give him a, a, a foothold in Ephesians 4.27. A foothold is its opportunity to get into your heart and influence you with negativity and influence you with anxiety and tell you that these things will always be like this. Don't, don't allow him. Don't listen to the roar and give him any more space. Don't listen to it. Here's another one. Stop listening to the wrong voice. Don't marinate your thoughts in bad reports. You know what marinating is? You take that chicken and you put it in that soya sauce for a week. Maybe not a week. <laughs> it's probably gotten rotten by then. But, you know, you just leave it there 24 hours and the next day you cook it. It's incredible taste, you know. But if you put your brains into bad reports, you'll get bad thoughts. 
And don't let it be marinated in those things. Don't let it be marinated. If you, if you were like me, I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was a little bit surprised again at this last election that the way that negativity and the pulling down of every other party in Australia to gain some kind of influence, I think. And to be honest, it wasn't just any party, it was all of them. And if you were to listen to all those bad reports, you would think that every politician and every political party was bad, nasty and evil. And I don't think any of them want to be really bad, nasty and evil. I think we've got a nasty devil sometimes behind some of those those issues that we're struggling with and what some political parties promote. But the truth is, wouldn't it be great if the government legislated that you're never allowed to badmouth your opposition and the only, the only things you can do at elections is you give positive um, affirmation and actually uplift the opposition and actually um, promote your policies and not all the badness about someone else. Wouldn't that be amazing? Why doesn't the Christian church be like that then? Why don't we stop ourselves? Stop listening to the wrong, rep- wrong reports. Stop listening to the wrong voices, folks. Because it just creates a- elements of anxiety. Um, uh, Proverbs 15.30, And a good report makes the bones healthy. The word healthy means pleasant, pleasurable, and prosperous. So if a good report is pleasant and gives us pleasure and provides prosperity, imagine what a bad report is going to do to us. It's going to be unpleasurable. It's going to be unpleasant. There's no ability to draw anything from it, good from it. It can produce anxious thoughts. So what are you going to listen to, the good or the bad report? Stop. You've got to um, stop listening to that which you know is not right. Tell, um, tell the wrong voice out of my life. I... Uh, in 1990, um, Michelle was pregnant, I re- but I remember the story because she was pregnant, I remember the year. But I was, I'd gone to my mum and dad's place, uh, living at Calandra, and early one morning I got up, I must have got up to get a drink of water or something, and I come past, the, the, about 5.30 in the morning, I come past my lounge room, and my mum's sitting in the lounge room, weeping and crying. I'm thinking, what is the problem here? And... What the problem was, that was the year, if you remember, America um, went to war in the Gulf against Iraq. And it had been the first kind of major conflict. There'd been other conflict, but the first major conflict that had happened for quite a while. And my brother was 17 years of age. And so my mother had heard some of the news reports that possibly America will be calling upon Australia to be involved in this Gulf War, as they called it. And my mother had then taken that information and thought, and, and it had been strung out in her heart and to the point where she thought Australian military going to subscribe every 17, 18 and 19 year old or whatever, 18 year olds at least, into the Australian army so we could they send them off to war because she, of course, had been born in the decade of the Second World War, folks. And she had that in her mind. This is going to happen again. It's going to be a world war. And she's sitting in, my, in her lounge room and she is weeping and crying. I said, Mom, come on. And she told me, I said, that is, that is far from the truth. That's far from the truth. You've taken a bad, what was just a normal report on the news, that America may call Australia to be involved. She'd taken it and allow it to be so enlarged 
in her mind, and now it became an incredible point of anxiety in her heart to the point where it caused her to physically cry and weep because she thought, this is what's going to happen. I tell you, the enemy wants to screw things up and take you down that line so much. You've got to stop it, stop listening to the bad report so, because it's amazing how many things don't happen of the things that you hear. And sometimes we just hear a normal report that's just simple information on the news and we turn it into a really bad report before we know it's bigger than we think in our own minds. I think sometimes it's just good to stop listening to all the news. I, don't think, I, don't think, I think it's good to be informed. But I think you've just got to stop listening sometimes to all that stuff. Put something of good report in your heart. Sometimes I think we just need to, um, you know, don't post bad reports on Facebook. Can I encourage you? Don't tell the world about your problems because someone's going to have a pot shot at you and hate you or do whatever. Don't, uh, you know, sometimes there's good things you want to post. That's fine, but just be aware. Can I, can I share that? Is that okay? Social media can be so destructive. And don't read all the rubbish that comes up because it's not necessarily true. Ah, what are you listening to? Here we go. Let's finish with this one. And I, and I touched on this. And I mentioned this last week. But I, for the sake of understanding this principle, it's powerful. Please, we become so consumed with anxious thoughts when we live with, unex, with unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic, the anxiety we feel sometimes because we expect our day to go bang, 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 bang. And to, to be honest, we don't say it, but we all want it. We, we almost think, my day, see, we seek perfection. There's nothing wrong with wanting your day to go well, but folks, who knows we live in a fallen world, and I'm not trying to be negative, but things don't always go the way we want them to go, and if they don't, and we're, and we're, not, and we're not willing to roll with the punches in life, we get incredibly stressed and upset and concerned, and, oh, what's happening to my world? Roll with the punches, and, and find that, you know, it's not the circumstances that need to control your thought life. It's your God who needs to, you need to let control your thought life, no matter what the circumstances are like. Would you agree? Because he's the God of peace, isn't he? And we allow unrealistic, unrealistic expectations to worry us and concern us. Oh, it didn't happen how I wanted it to happen. Now, I agree. I want your day to happen well and my day to happen well. But someone comes along and puts, spoils your party, you've got to realize your, your attitude or your frame of mind is not dependent on what other people do or how your day goes, but it's dependent that there is a peace that surpasses understanding and it comes through our Heavenly Father, even in the midst of what we face. Unrealistic expectations is the enemy to our peace. We set ourselves up for worry when we think, I'll never have a speed bump in life. It says in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Come on. Casting all your care. Casting means to throw upon him. It means to throw upon him. Don't hold yourself. Don't hold it to yourself. Throw it upon him. I'm not saying that we'll never have any cares. We do. We have care. We have 
things that happen. But he's asking us even today just to throw it upon him. Throw it upon him. He truly cares for you. The Bible said he's the God of peace. He's, and it stands to reason the more we have of him in our lives, the less we're going to have of stress and anxiety, to be honest. The, the less of that stuff. When you throw your cares to God, it's like, it's like we're then focusing on God and we're not giving opportunity to the devil. It says if you submit to God, resist the devil, he's got to flee. Submit your thoughts to a heavenly father. And as you resist him, you know what? He runs. That roaring lion who's bluffing you with all his roaring, he's going to run. Do you know what a roaring lion is really doing when he roars? A roaring lion is just telling all the other lions in the district, this is my territory, don't come into my territory. That's what a roaring lion, you look it up, you Google it, and you find out what a roaring lion really roars about. He's just roaring to tell everybody around him, all the other lions, don't you come into my territory, this is my pride of female lions, these are my cubs, don't you come into my territory. And I want to tell you, that the devil is a, he's not sensible, it's foolish, because when he roars, it's a warning, hey, I don't need to go to his territory. It's darkness. I live in light. I don't need to go into darkness. And he's just roaring. It's a bluff. That's the only reasons lions roar. That's why they mark their territory and then they roar. And they often roar at night because in the silence of the night, the roar travels. It says human ear can hear a lion roar up to five kilometers away in the silence of the night. That can be a bit bone chilling, can't it? But don't listen. It's just a roar. And if he's roaring, he's not attacking. He's faking it. He's trying to get you up. He's just trying to get you anxious. Don't receive it. He cares for you. He cares. He cares for you. Can we stand this morning? Let me pray for you today. Mm -hmm. There's some parents here today, and, and you're single. And you're looking after your kids and you're trying to struggle with them. And, and I just want to encourage you today, don't listen to the roar of the enemy. God is able, even through the situations you face, he would be your strength and encouragement and help you. If you would just yield and pray and commit those things unto him, will he not be the God of peace that you so long for, peace in your heart? Will he not be? All those things that you face as a single parent, God just wants you to know. He wants to take the anxiety and throw it, get rid of it, bring peace. Is someone today even not quite sure about their future? And, and, and you know, employment maybe is involved in that. And, then, and, you know, God would say, would you not yield that to me? Would you not cast it to me? Stop hanging on to it. Would I not, as you do the possible, would I not then undertake for you to have that which seems impossible, but I can do it? Would I not want to provide peace and encouragement for you in the midst of what you face? Uh, people today, maybe someone today just struggling in a relationship, in a family situation, and it's, it's a bit caustic. And God says, why don't you, it, it, it brings you anxiety even to see that person. And God said, why don't you do something? Why don't you write a letter? Why don't you make a phone call? And just, it would sometimes just take that just to mend that which has been broken in that relationship. I just step out of that which that it brings anxiety and you push through and say, I'm not going to listen to this anxiety. I'm going to actually reach out in love. And you may not receive the response that you desire, but don't give up because God says in due season, you will reap a harvest. There's many different other anxieties and things we face sometimes. But God says, I'm the God of peace that surpasses understanding. 
So today, if maybe you identify with something today, why don't you just lift your hand and, and I just want to pray for you where you are today. I just want to pray for you. You're not being negative today if you're acknowledging you're just saying, Father, I need your strength. You know, Holy Spirit, He is the one who can be our strength internally. He's our internal fortification. So today, just, just lift your hands to Him and be honest with Him just for a moment. Now, everybody just close their eyes for a moment. Let's pray. Father, today, you see the hands that are raised, and I just ask. And you see every hand that's not raised, but I do pray for those whose hands raised, that today you'd be their peace, Holy Spirit, you'd be their encouragement and strength. And that we, we would, be, that would be a people that would say, I'm not going to listen to the roar, I'm going to listen to our God. I'm going to see what His truth says. I'm going to allow the God of peace to infiltrate. Holy Spirit, right now, minister to those hearts. Holy Spirit, do what no human can do, and that is touch lives and transform and shift people from negativity to, to truth and wholeness. You have your way right now, Holy Spirit, I pray. And today we yield unto you, all of us today across this building, we yield to you because today and this week and next week and the rest of this year, we're going to find some times when speed bumps happen in life. Help us, Lord God, not to listen to the bad reports or the negative voices or to have unrealistic expectations, but to ride with it and know that you, our Lord, are not there waiting at the other end when we get all our act together, but you're actually there in the midst of the problem with us because you ride the wave with us through the problems. We thank you for that. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death with us, Lord. And we pray for your strength to do that and to walk with you. And Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. And we commit ourselves to you now. Even as we worship you in this last song, we do the exchange, Lord. Take our fears and concerns and anxieties for your joy and peace and love right now in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed, said, amen. Come on, let's just worship just for a moment before we close our service. Thank you, Lord. Can't go back to the beginning. You can't control what tomorrow will bring.